Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, and it is a true honor and privilege, Pastor, to stand in your pulpit. It's not a privilege I take lightly. Uh, it's a privilege I uh, humbly uh, accept uh, with all gratitude. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. I want to thank uh, Brother Marty and Miss Jen for their hospitality and opening up their house to us. They've been sweet on us. I mean, they've been sweet on my kids and my family. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, and church, for the good food and all that you've done for us this week, and you're going to do for us, uh, thank you. Man, your pastor's been good to me this week. Today, I had the best steak I think I've ever had in my life. It, it's just been good. Uh, it's been good and refreshing. Um, my wife, I'm here with my wife. If you weren't here uh, the other day, I'll go ahead and introduce her to you. She is truly the unsung hero of my family. Uh, you can go ahead and stand up, Becca. Uh, she loves to do that as well. And then uh, we have three of our kids here in the auditorium with us. Braden is the tall one, Michaela's the short one, and Jackson's the middle one. And then we got two more in the, uh, in the nursery. Olivia is taking care of her brother, Bo. Uh, and we, I'm blessed. I mean, I am blessed. I'm blessed to get to do what I get to do. I'm blessed to, uh, I'm, I'm just blessed, man. I mean, the God of heaven has been good to me. I, I don't deserve his goodness, his mercy, and his grace. If you'd have known this man 15, 20 years ago, you'd have, you definitely wouldn't have thought I'd ever be behind the pulpit. The God of heaven has showed a lot of grace to me. Uh, there's a verse I like to give when I talk to people about how good God's been to me, and it's in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 10. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's by his amazing grace I am what I am. It's only by His grace. I was born in Georgia. I was born in Georgia. I'm a Georgia boy. And it's by His grace I was born there. I say that because, man, there's a gospel preaching church on just about every other church. There's four on the street I grew up on. Four churches that preach the gospel on the street I grew up on. By God's grace, I was there because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My brother and I, he came through here last year. Uh, We didn't grow up in a Christian home. I would ask you, when you pick up that prayer card in the back, I would ask you to pray for my family. My family doesn't even go to church. My mom, my stepdad, nor my dad. So you can, when you pick up that prayer card, don't, don't just pray for me, pray for my family. Uh, God forbid I go overseas and win the whole world to Christ and my family go to hell. And so I, I ask that you would pray that the God of heaven would save my family. Um, Paul, the great missionary of old, he, what was his heart's desire? You may think tonight, well, man, a missionary has to have a heart for those people. But remember the heart of a missionary. When you see Paul's heart over in Romans chapter number 10, this ain't a message, it's just free. As, uh, as the brother said last night, this is a little extra for you. Uh, Paul, if you want to see a good missionary, a good missionary has the heart like Paul had. He said in Romans chapter number 10, verse number 1, he says, he says my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel was that they might be saved. Who's Israel? It's His people. It's His people. If you want, to be, you want to see a good missionary, if you don't have a heart for his own people, he's never going to have a heart for those people over there. If you don't, know, if you don't love the people you see, you're never going to love those people over there. And so Paul, his heart's desire was for his own people. He's writing that letter to the, Rome, the church at Rome, and his desire and his prayer to God to that Roman church was for his people, for Israel, that they might be saved. He said, for, for I bear them record to have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He said, man, they're, they, they're, they're, they're pretending they're Christian. They're pretending they're godly. They're pretending they're these things, but it's fake. It's not according to knowledge. And, and my family's just the same way. Growing up in the South, man, there is a lot of religion. 
there's a lot of religion, but ain't much relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I ask that you pray for my family. Uh, but I praise God that I grew up there. And I got to hear the gospel. I was constantly being invited into church by someone much like yourself maybe. An aunt or an uncle to, to somebody who constantly uh, was bringing me into church. And I guarantee you they thought, man, that work was in vain. I guarantee you they thought it because it was long after. My brother got saved early, but me, I was the rebellious black sheep of the family. I was in college before I got saved. And, uh, and it was by God's grace uh, that I'm here. And, and in the fall of 1998, I trusted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior after a hard night of partying and playing, nearly killing myself, just trying to enjoy life, trying to enjoy the party life of the university. Uh, uh, but I did remember some things that night in the fall of 1998. I remember the messages of the grace of God. And I remembered how God, there was a, there was a different, different way. There was a different, there was a different life. And he, he offered that life to me. Time and time again, he showed some grace to me. And that night, he drew me to him, and he saved me in the fall of 1998 in my bedroom. After a, after a hard night of partying and playing, I wish I could say that I kept on the uh, straight and narrow and did everything the way the God of heaven w- wanted me to do it, but I kind of got consumed as, in my own desires and doing my own thing in life and living my own plan. And it wasn't until my brother uh, Kevin got married in, fall, uh, in March of 2004 uh, where I rededicated my life to the Lord when I went overseas to see uh, his marriage. Uh, by that time, I was making some money, and on the outside, everybody probably thought Jeremy had it all together. I was, had a construction company, and I was selling real estate, and I had my house and all the fixings and all that stuff, and I was traveling around the world spending some of the money that God had uh, given me in spite of my stupidity. Um, and I went over there, and God just drew me back to Himself. There in South Africa, I saw something that really ripped my heart out of my chest. I saw something that opened my eyes uh, to reality. I saw a a culture where I now work, uh, a death culture, if you will. I saw a people that looked like they were destitute of the grace of God, not only this side of eternity, uh, but for all of eternity. They, uh, not only for all of eternity, but this side too. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. These people were dying like flies of malnutrition, of AIDS, tuberculosis. Uh, where I work, I was telling someone this week, uh, um, I'm considered a grandfather. Tamkulu, uh, which I'm probably old enough to be a granddaddy now. I'm, I'll be almost 40, I'm 43 years old. But, uh, but uh, they, they consider me that because because the average life expectancy in the locations where I work, in the townships where I work, in the projects, if you will, is like 39 years of age, somewhere around there. And so the people are dying like flies. I saw one thing that was etched in my mind, and I'd invite you to come over and see it for yourself, but was uh, a graveyard. Every Saturday, uh, every Saturday they have, uh, and your pastor's seen this, every Saturday they have the burying of the dead throughout the week. And in this one location that I went to, this one township, and they're all over. There's townships all over the country. There's little projects all over the country. But in this one little place in Bloemfontein where I went that one time that God used, there was over 150 graves dug for that week. 150. And my brother, by the sovereignty of God, was led to take me out there and show me this. And then he said, look, he said, you know what there's not around here? There's not a gospel preaching church. There's not, a, there's not a church in this location that's preaching the gospel. And I understood the gospel. And that verse that I told you just a minute ago, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That next part, he says, and that grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. For a long time, it was almost like the grace of God was given in vain in my life. Even as a believer, 
I was, I was saved, don't get me wrong. I was, I was born again. It wasn't given in vain, but it was almost as if it had been given in vain because I was living my life like I wanted to. And I saw this, and it forever changed me. From that day forward, I saw that these people that were destitute of the grace of God, this side of eternity and that side. And I said, God, whatever you want. I'd already given you, I'd already given you my life, but I took it back and acted like it was my own. But here it is again. I surrender all. I surrender all to you. Came back to the States in March of 2000 and, uh, 2004. And six months later, I'd sold my house, uh, sold my business, and I was living on the mission field and been there ever since, basically. Uh, and, and the God of heaven has just been good to me. And the more I studied the Word of God, the more I realized God's method for helping the world is the local church. I'm, I have the conviction that the God of heaven, His, His design according to the Scriptures, to get hope into a hopeless world. That's what we want them to have Jesus, and that design is the local church. And, and therefore, I surrendered to the, uh, to the call and to the, to the desire that God gave me to start local churches. And we've been planting churches since 2009 after I prepared in South America for a little while and then in South Africa. And God's doing a good work. And I'll talk to you more about that, I think, another day because I want to preach right now. Uh, I hope you come in here ready to hear the Word of God. But whether I'm in South Africa or whether I'm in... Where am I? There we go. I've been on furlough for a little while. <laughs> uh, this is, we're coming to the end of our fur, furlough. My wife's last trip uh, is this one, and, and uh, we're elated to get back to South Africa in just a few days. November the 3rd, we'll be back on the field. But last month, I think alone, we said we traveled over 8,000 miles. So I don't know where I'm at. Uh, I'm just glad to be where I'm at. Uh, but, uh, but whether I'm in South Africa or uh, Ohio, um, I want to be considered a good minister of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, go with me to the book of 1 Timothy, if you don't mind. And I want those that I come in contact with, especially the supporting churches that have been so gracious to us to support us for all the years, God bless them. In this church, if you decide to support our ministry, we, we desperately need it, but I pray God blesses you, and I pray that you're a good minister of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this book right here shows us how. How we can be, look, look, look in chapter number four. Look, it's chapter number four, I think it's verse number, uh, verse number six. And this is not where I'm going to preach tonight. But look what he says here. He says in verse number six, chapter number four, verse number six, if, if this is a conditional clause, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. If you want to be considered a good minister of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, just open this book of 1 Timothy alone and begin to put this book, these things that Paul wrote to Timothy, the God of heaven inspired Paul to give to Timothy. Put these things in front of your people and the God of heaven will look at you as a good minister of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What are these things? What is he talking about here when he says these things? Well, uh, this book has a theme. And I don't know if you know the theme of this book, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. And uh, one pastor said it this way. One pastor said this way. He said, he said God's, uh, God, uh, God does something for, for us. He does something like, uh, you know, if you, if, you were to, um, if you were to put the key, if you were to want to give somebody access to your house, uh, 
you would put a key near the front door or near the back door, right? Uh, if, you, if, they, if you weren't there and you wanted them to have access to your house, you put a, door, a key near the front door or near the back door and they can access your house. Well, that's kind of like what the God of Heaven does with many books in the Bible. Uh, one pastor said, he says, God puts keys to these books near the front door or near the back door. And in this book, you find a key to this book to understanding these things at the front door and the back door. God's good to us. And so you come to chapter number 6 and I want to show you the key to understanding this book. The, the key... What is, what, what is it that uh, these things consist of? Well, these things consist in chapter number uh, 6 and verse number 11. Look with me in verse number 11 and verse number 12, and you'll find the, 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 the key for this book, for understanding this book. What is this book about? Why is Paul inspired to write this book uh, to Timothy? And he says, But thou, O man of God, we'll come back to that phrase, Thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Here's the key. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. The key to this book is understanding that Paul is trying to help his son in the faith stay in the good fight. And tonight, I just want to remind you of the good fight of faith. And that's what this whole book is about. You don't believe me? Go to the first part. Go to chapter number one with me very quickly. In chapter number one, he says it this way. He says it just a little bit differently, but the same thing. He says in verse number 18, chapter number one, Verse number 18, chapter number 1, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecy which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest what? War a good warfare. Fight the good fight of faith. Church, I want to ask you a question tonight. What fight are you in? What is the fight that you are in? Can I tell you something? Satan is good at what he does. He is masterful. You know, they say if you want to be a master at something, if you want to, if you want to master a language, if you want to master a subject, you need to put in 10,000 hours. That's what uh, I've read that you need to, if you want to be a master at anything, you need to put in 10,000 hours at that. So, well, Satan has close to 10,000 years at what he does. And he's good at what he does. He's good at getting us in for the wrong fight. The good fight of faith. You know, his counterfeits are very, very attractive. Man, if you come to South, South Africa with us, it's not as prevalent in South Africa, but in South America where we used to minister, man, before people would come down, and we encourage you to come down, come for a visit, come see what the God of Heaven is doing in South Africa. But when you come, what we're going to do when you get there is we're going to constantly <laughs> encourage you, hey, watch out for the counterfeits. Watch out for the counterfeits, man. You'll be walking down the road, and all of a sudden, you'll see on this display $250,000 Rolexes. I mean, and there's a lot of them. It's like, whoa. Man, I mean, those things out on the street. $250,000. And then next to that, you'll see all of these Oakley sunglasses. And then all, after that, you'll see, you'll see all of these Nike goods. And, and it never fails after we continually, continually tell the folks, hey, we continually uh, warn the folks, warn the folks, these things are counterfeit. <laughs> Never fails. What somebody does is they come to try to convince me about how real it is. And they, as they're convincing me, sometimes maybe the hand on that Rolex falls off. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I told you so. And what are you left with? Nothing. Church, don't be left with nothing. That's what I want for you tonight. I want you to remember the good fight because I don't want you to be left with nothing, empty hands. At the end of your fight, what are you fighting for? What is the fight that you are in personally? Personally, what are you living your life for? 
personally. God has a personal salvation for us and a personal plan for us. Corporately and, and personally, He has something for us to do. And it is considered a good fight. What is the fight? What is this good fight? What does this good fight entail? If you don't understand what the good fight is, you're destined to fall for the bad ones. Without understanding what the good fight is, you can't know the difference. You've got to know the good fight in order to stay in it, right? What is this good fight of faith? We'll go to the first chapter. Go to the first chapter, and we're going to look here. Chapter number 1, verse number 3, for sake of time, we'll skip down to verse number 3. He says, I besought thee. He says, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. Who's Paul is the writer of this book, right? He's the, he, he was the one inspired by the God. God breathed out to the Apostle Paul this letter to Timothy at Ephesus, right? The church at Ephesus. I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. The, to do what? When I, when I went into Macedonia. So Paul received this Macedonia call and he is beseeching. There's a message in that in and of itself. Paul is beseeching this young man in the faith. Man, that is incredible right there. If you just think about that. I besought thee still at Ephesus when when, went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. You know what the good fight of faith is? I'll tell you this, and I'll go back to that phrase right there and explain a little bit more. Teaching right doctrine. Doctrine. Doctrine is vitally important. It's why God gave us His Word. You know, the second, second book, all Scripture, is given by the inspiration of God. And it's, it's God breathed out some Scriptures to some holy men. Holy men penned this down so that we would have what? All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for? Doctrine. What is doctrine? Well, in my pastor's simple man terms, and I like them, what's right according to God. Doctrine is simply what is right according to God. Doctrine for reproof. Scripture's given so you'll know what's right according to God. This is God's world. This is God's church. And God makes the rules, right? Doctrine for reproof. What is wrong? For correction and instruction in righteousness. And how to stay on that right road. And it's for a purpose. The next verse. There was something prepared for us before the foundation of this world. The God of heaven was thinking about you and me. You go read Ephesians and you'll see that the God of heaven has called us. Uh, and, and those that He had called, he, he, had for, he had ordained that we would have something prepared to do. That this calling, this heavenly calling for us is to a work. It's to a good work. It would be thoroughly furnished unto good works. And you go read that. That's paraphrased for yourself in the, next, in the next book. But that's why the God of heaven gave us this book. That's why he gave Doctrine is vitally important. Oh, man of God. Oh, man. The right, the right fight is this. Teaching right doctrine in order to make oh, men of God. It's that simple. The good fight is making oh, men of God. Equipping godly men and women for the work of the ministry. That is why we exist. It's creating God, godly men and women. The God of heaven has given us this responsibility as a church. He has gifted, he has, he has put different people within this congregation so that the saints get edified. The good fight is equipping godly men and women for the work of the ministry. If you're in any other fight, brethren, you're in something that is going to leave you empty-handed in the end. You're in something that in the, at the end of your life, you may have lived for something, but it's going to burn up. Because you're not helping people to be conformed into the image of the Son of God. You know, which is the ultimate 
glorifying thing, glorifying factor for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What is it that you're fighting for? What is it that you personally are doing? Well, Paul here is talking here. He says, uh, he says I besought thee. He said, I besought thee still. Think about that phrase right there. I besought thee still. Think about what, 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 what's wrong there with that phrase. Well, I mean, just on the surface. I besought thee. You have an aged man, Paul, beseeching. What does to beseech mean? Beg. He's begging a punk young man. Why you reckon he's begging a young punk man? I reckon that's a good Georgia word. Sorry, it's a Bible word too. No reckon yield over in Romans chapter number 6. You want to get out of some sin? No reckon and yield these things to be true. In you. But that's another message for another day. But Paul, why you reckon he is begging a young man? Because there's 500 more behind him? Problem is, oh man of God, where are you? Oh, man of God, the problem in this world is not that God hasn't given us everything we need to accomplish the task that He has given us of getting the gospel message into all the world. The problem is, oh, man of God, where are you? Oh, man of God, there's a world lost, dying, and going to hell. Oh, man of God, where are you? Where are you? This world desperately needs you. That's why God has left you here. Oh, man of God, where are you? One of my biggest prayer requests as I'm, as I'm here this side is, God, raise up some laborers. We desperately pray you, therefore, Lord Harvest, that he will, he will send forth laborers into His harvest. God has given us what we need to accomplish the task, and God's going to get it done. God's going to accomplish His task. The gates of hell will not prevail against His church. And He is offering you and me the opportunity to have a part in something that is eternal. Oh, man of God, don't fall for the fakes of the world. Where are you tonight? And it's equipping God, godly men for the work of the ministry. The problem in this church at Timothy is the same problem we have 2,000 years later. Same thing, you, man, you come to South Africa and you're going to see, man, it's like doctrine is non-existent. The only way you get godly men is how? Through teaching right doctrine. It's, it's through teaching and exposing and expounding on, on the Scriptures. It's, it's sharing doctrine. And that's what this whole book is about. It's about the right fight. You have a part in this right fight. You personally have a part in this right fight. There are people that desperately need what you got. Philippians says it this way. Philippians says they partook of God, of His grace, of Paul's grace. And there are people who need to partake of your grace, of my grace. The God of heaven has graced you and me. And as we have the grace of God and the Christ of heaven within us, man, we have what they need. Here, this church, man, has all kinds of issues. And let me tell you, church, today we're no different. We better not let down our guard. We've been blessed to have a man that stands behind the pulpit and shares right doctrine. I know you preacher, but what was lacking in this church is what's lacking around the world. Oh, man of God. Oh, man of God. Don't take for granted for, a, for a one second that you have someone who stands in this pulpit week in and week out and opens these Scriptures and shares and expounds from the Scriptures because that is a rarity in this world. I don't know how, I don't know how, how you think about the rest of this world, but come on, I'll show you. Come on over, I'll show you some folks. They have a desire to fill the pulpit as they did in this day, 
But man, they were not equipped and they were not qualified for the work that the God of heaven has given them. You better bless the God of heaven for a qualified man for this pulpit right here. Man, they're few and far between. And here, look, look at these kind of people. And this is Africa if I've ever seen it. It's Europe if I've ever seen it. It's South America if I've ever seen it. It's United States if I've ever seen it. Look at this. Desiring to be teachers, verse number 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law. Understand neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. You think, man, what in the world? Such a common occurrence. The very simplest tenets of the faith. They had no idea why the law was given. Well, you and I, we know, right? We're O men of God, right? Why was the law given? We understand Galatians 3.24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to do what? To bring us to Christ. Bring us to Christ that we might be what? Justified by faith, the law was never given, so we could, so we would come, we would fulfill it. We can't fulfill it. We can't measure up. We, we we cannot measure up. It wasn't given for that purpose. We understand that. You understand that, right? You understand that you can't measure up, right? What does Romans chapter number ten, verse number, I think it's twenty three, say? Let's go over there real quick. I think it's Romans ten twenty three. I'm not mistaken. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that Romans 10, 23? 3.23. What does that mean? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the issue with the world. For all have sinned and come short. To come short means to not measure up. We don't, we don't measure up to something. You know, last week, a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to take my kids to Disney World. And I was amazed. I was amazed. He shouldn't have measured up. In all honesty, but my two-year-old measured up for a ride. <laughs> and I got on that ride with him and soon realized he should not have measured up for that roller coaster. <laughs> he was white-knuckling it, and he was like, oh my goodness. They had the measurement wrong, I believe. God doesn't. What is God's measurement? Perfection. It's perfection. It's, it's your good works are going to send you to hell. There is filthy rags. It's the best that you can do still doesn't take away the bad that you did. They didn't understand this. They didn't understand the law was there to show them how bad they were. It's like that mirror, that schoolmaster, that tutor that took them to where they could get help. And that help came in and through the work of Jesus Christ and Him alone on the cross at Calvary. They didn't understand that. People who are standing in the pulpits, people who stand in the pulpits even today in South Africa, they don't understand the very basic tenets of the faith. They don't understand that they don't measure up, and the only way they can measure up is to have this. Look, again, wherefore thou, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified. Justified is, is, is that act of, of declaring you righteous, or causing you to measure up and gain access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They don't understand that. They don't understand that that law was there just to help them see their condition before a holy and just God so that they would repent and believe in the only name, the name of Jesus Christ, the only name given amongst men whereby you must be saved. These were real issues. All these issues that were in this book, they were real issues then and they're real issues today. You know, you had women... You know, you, you know the qualifications of a pastor. You know, all the things that we would know. I would never have a, a woman stand in my pulpit. No, I would have a, never have a woman usurp authority above a, over a man. Why do you reckon that thing happened? You ever, you ever thought? Because they were happening. 
And they are happening. But you ever thought about why they were happening? Oh man of God, where are you? Mama's going to step up and try to do something to help the babies. Because Mama's heart's dying for some babies. Oh man of God, where are you? It's time to stand up, step up, and get busy in the work of God. You've been given more than you need. <laughs> you just don't know what you got. You discover what you got that's within you, and you understand you've been given everything that you need to accomplish the task that God's given you to do. You have Christ in you, Colossians chapter number 1. Christ in you is everything you need. Everything you need. These were real issues. Women were standing up. This is where people, people were coming there. People should be coming here to hear truth. To hear how they can get right with God. This is the pillar and ground of truth. You and me. The local church. And the good fight. And making sure when they come through these doors that they get what they need. And that need, what they need is right doctrine. Right doctrine is what is necessary to create, O oh man of God. And then, O oh man of God steps up, steps out, and gets busy in the work. Church, question for you. What fight are you in? What is the fight that you're in? What, you personally. How are you personally helping to equip men and women? Don't think, you can't blame this on the pastor. Yes, this is a pastoral epistle, but man, Timothy had some, a grandmama. You go over to chapter number 2 and you'll see very quickly how he had a grandmama and a mama who invested in him a lot. He's a qualified man for the work of the ministry. And the God of heaven sent along this man by the name of the Apostle Paul to take him to continue on in his tutorship. And, and grandmama and, grand, and, and mama had already started a good work in this young man. And so you have a, every one of us have a part in equipping godly men and women for the work of the ministry. So what are you doing personally? What are you doing personally to make sure that everybody in this church is equipped for the work of the ministry? What are you doing personally? That is our job. Our job is to take what is given to us. That's our ministry philosophy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men and women who shall be able to teach others also. Are you taking what has been given to you? What, is, what, what, what has happened to take you out of this good fight? What has happened to take you out of... You know, I want you to stay in the good fight and give me five more minutes and we'll finish. Maybe eight. I'm going to finish, all right, in five to eight more minutes. I don't want to lie to you. But I want, uh, you got to understand what the good fight is, right? Or you're going to fall for the counterfeits. And the good fight is equipping godly men and women. It's really church planning. When, it, when you boil it down, that's why I'm a church planner. It's really the local church. Uh, yes, we use camp ministries and we use camp ministries. We use many different methods and many different things to edify camp. Uh, here, goes, here, here goes you something. I don't know if you'll be here tomorrow night, but this is my own thing. You can use it in your, in your presentation. Our camp, we have camp too. Our camp is a controlled atmosphere for mission preparation. Everything we do is for the purpose of training godly men and women for the work of the ministry. Everything. Everything we do is to train godly men and women for the work, to get doctrine in them. Right doctrine for the work of the ministry. Without having right doctrine, their, their, their walk is never going to be right. And so there in South Africa, we're trying to train godly men and women for the work of the ministry. Here in, in Ohio, man, you put these things before your people constantly. This is the good fight. This is it, godliness. Godliness is ultimately the good fight. 
Godliness. Be holy for I am holy. We know these verses. Godliness is the good fight. And I want you to stay in the good fight. So I'm going to give you a few ways to stay in the good fight. Very quickly. And I'm, I'm sitting down for this evening. Chapter number 4, very quickly. Where we started over there. Uh, you know, you, it's a fight, right? I don't know if you noticed this, but man, a lot of people let down their guard in 2020. You saw on that little display just a minute ago how many people were out of the fight. Why you reckon? There's that word again, reckon. Why you reckon that's so? Because they let down their guard. If you're in a fight, I've been in a lot of fights. I have a past. I was a wrestler and I had a big ego for many years. If you drop your guard in a fight, what's going to happen? You're going to get knocked out. If you don't do the things that are in this chapter alone, you will be knocked out of the fight. There are some things that you have to do. You must do in order to stay in the good fight. If you don't do some things, if there's not some effort on your behalf, yes, it's all an act of the grace of God. Well, the, the, the very mere sure, sure fact that you have His processes in your hand, that is the biggest grace of God that you've ever seen. Translated into a language you can understand. And that's a, that's a grace that we take so for granted many times in the United States of America, but God has graced us with having His processes within our hands. And you have it right here. And He says, this is how you can stay in the good fight. Look what, look what He says here. It's, a, it's like an eight-letter cuss word. It's like an eight-letter cuss word in verse number seven, chapter number four. He says, refuse profane and old wise fables. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll skip that for now. And exercise. There's your eight-letter cuss word right there. That's what we don't like right there. Right there is just like, oh, I don't like that old exercise word. <laughs> I mean, I'm just not a big person in exercising. Exercise thyself rather unto what? Exercising unto godliness. Exercise. There must be exercising unto godliness if you want to stay in this good fight. If you're not exercising yourself unto godliness, you've heard the illustration where, you, where you're going against the current. You stop going against the current. Guess where you went? You didn't, you didn't stay where you were. 2020 happened. People let down their guard. They didn't stay where they were. That's God's economy. Go read the Scriptures. Now you got to get back up. Go at it again. you got to exercise yourself unto godliness. You let down your guard, you're going to get knocked out of the fight. Exercise. You know, exercise, man, I hate running. I hate, I, I, I don't like exercising, but when I do, after just a little bit of time, if I stick with it long enough, you know there's, there's a threshold. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but there's a threshold. I've never gotten to it with running, ever. <laughs> I've never ran long enough to get over that threshold and enjoy it. <laughs> I've never been there. But I have gotten there in exercising and, and lifting weights and things of that nature. And you get to, get to a point where, oh, it's not as dreadful as it once was. Oh, it's actually pleasurable. Oh, man, this is actually nice. And it's the same way in God's economy. And you got to do some hard things. Our, soft, our, 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 our culture is soft. and we, we have to do some hard things. We have to exercise ourselves unto godliness. If you're not doing these things, guess what? You're already out of the good fight. You're already out of it. So start doing these things right here again. And you'll be back in the good fight. Why? So you don't waste your life. Doesn't matter what age you are, you're here to, to, to glorify God. And so I'm closing with these, these four exercises very quickly. I'm just going to give them to you for sake of time. Look at this. You're going to do something. And I'm going to start down a little bit uh, later in, in verse, number, uh, verse number 13 because most all of them uh, play off of this one. 
He says in verse number 13, he says, till I come, give attendance to what? Simple. We know these truths. Give attendance to what? Reading, to exhortation, and to what? Doctrine. Read, read, reread the Scriptures. Fight the good fight of what? How do you got faith without reading? How do you get faith without hearing the voice of God? You want to hear the voice of God? Read the Scriptures. Read, read, read. To exhortation. And, and I won't stay there, but you must read the Scriptures. We, we emphasize this time and time again, but are we having a daily devotion? Are we, are we really spending time listening to the God of heaven? Is God directing our steps or is, or is Fox News? Who is directing our steps? Who, who's, who's controlling our thought life? YouTube or, or the God of heaven? Read, read, read the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures. And when you, when you read the Scriptures, you'll be able to do the rest of these things. Without reading the Scriptures, the rest of these things are going to be hard. That's why I started right there in verse number 13. But verse number 5, very quickly, what had happened is doctrines of devils had crept into this church. There's doctrines of devils and doctrines of God. Doctrines of devils, you either believe in doctrines of devils, which lead to death and destruction, or doctrines of God, which lead to life and abundance. Do you hear me? Doctrines of devils lead to death and destruction. Doctrines of God lead to life and a life in abundance. And some things had crept into the church. And they had, they had, they, they, these teachings, these false teachings, these false doctrines. Well, verse number 5, here's your second exercise. He says in verse number 5, he says, For it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. For every creature, verse number 4, sorry, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. What, they, were, they were telling people within this congregation that they couldn't eat meat and they couldn't marry. Two things that I love dearly. I love my wife and I love some red meat. We had some today. And when you, you'll know the difference. You'll know the difference between doctrines of devils and doctrines of God when you read the Scriptures. You've got to read the Scriptures. You've got to know the right thing in order to, get, to, to, to tell the difference. You know, like that old bank teller thing. If you're gonna, how, do you, how does a bank teller tell, uh, tell what money's good and what money's right and what money's not counterfeit? Well, they know the real thing. When they, when they know the real thing, they know how it sees, they know what it looks like, know what it smells like, know what it tastes like. No, I don't know if they know what it tastes like. But they know the real thing, and so when they, the fake one comes along, it's like, uh, that's easy to reject. And so you sanctify everything you do through what? Through, he says in verse number 5, for it is sanctified by the Word of God, by the Word of God, so you're going to take your actions and you're going to compare them to the Word of God, and just because God says it's not okay or it's okay, just because God doesn't condemn it, doesn't mean it's your, His will for your life, of course. But then you're going to do what? You're going to pray. You're going to humble yourself before a holy and just God and ask the God of heaven. So you're going to read the Word of God and you're going to sanctify everything you do by word and prayer. You're going to sanctify everything you do. Every step we take, you want to stay, it's a big, it's a, it's a, exercise is difficult. That's why most people don't do it. That's why most people are not in the right fight. Because they're not willing to do the hard thing. And the hard thing is get up, read the Word of God, sanctify everything you do by word and prayer. Go down to verse number 9 with me real quick. And when you read that Word of God, listen to this right here. Verse number 9, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Well, he's talking about this letter specifically, but I want to expand it to the whole Scriptures. I just want, this is the next exercise for you. You're going to read the Word of God, you're going to sanctify, you're going to, you're going to take every action that you have and you're going to daily compare that action with His Word and douse it in prayer. 
And when you read that word, you're going to do this. It's a faithful saying and worthy of acceptation. You're going to believe every word of God to be true, even though you don't understand it or you don't like it. A lot of scriptures, when you read them, we just don't like them. We just don't understand them, maybe. We don't like them. Serpent authority over a woman. What? What does that have to do? What? Believe it. Why does God say it? Well, you can continue to dig and study and find the answer to that. Why does God say a woman ought not to serve authority over a man? Well, until you get the answer, believe it. Believing is obeying. Believing is simply obeying. And we obeyed simply because God said so. And there's a lot of scriptures we don't understand, but they're clear. We just don't like them, so we don't obey them. And so we take the Word of God and we believe every single Word of God to be true, good, and right. And it's going to lead to a life in abundance. Any other thing will lead to confusion and chaos. And so we believe every word of God to be true. And finally this, and I'll close with this church. And this is, this is where we must get to. Verse number 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the lying on of hands of the presbytery. Of course, he's talking to Timothy and that gift that he had been given. But you too have been given a gift. You too are a gift to this local church. And this is the dangerous thing about this whole mess of COVID. It's talking about this right here. Using your gift within the local assembly. If you're not using your gift that the God of heaven has given you in the local church, help edify this local church, you have fallen for a counterfeit of Satan. God of heaven has given you gifts. He's given each and every one of us gifts for the furtherance of the gospel. And if we're not using them within the local church, when you read the Bible, you're going to see that He's given everyone gift. All of us have been gifted. And we use those gifts within the local church. That's why we come together. We come together not only, yes, we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more is the day we see that day approaching. Why? Because, man, this is the instrument. This is the organism, rather, through which the God of heaven dispenses hope to a lost and dying world. And He has you to be a part of it. He has you to be a member of this dispensing of the glory of God to a lost and dying world. Church, question. What fight are you in? Personally, use the Word of God and, and determine for yourself now, am, have, I been in, have I been in this good fight? What have I been living my life for? Well, the God of heaven has given you another opportunity. He has left you here on this earth. Why? <laughs> Because He wants a better resurrection for you. The reason he, he has left you here is not because He wants you in this sin-sick world, because when you read John chapter 14, he, man, he, where He is, He wants you there too. He understands we live in a sin-sick world. He just keeps leaving you here because He wants you to have a better future. Because He's a good God that you serve. He's a good God that I serve. And He knows how to bring that about. And He brings preachers in to remind us of things. Simple reminders. You want, you want to be considered a good minister of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You keep reminding your people of these same things. And God will be a good, you'll be considered a good minister of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You put these things before your people. You remind your people of the good fight. The fight of faith. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank You.